Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, the podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, an intern at Christ Church Conway in Conway, Arkansas. Gage, I'm excited to have the uh, the uh, Distilling Theology guys on. Uh, Gage just says, we're going to do this podcast with these guys, and they talk about liquor and Reformed theology. I said, oh, so they're Presbyterians? He's like, well, you know, this is like... They're 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 uh, they're Baptists. Yes. Uh, did you see the Babylon Bee article that, that said Baptists are now excited that they can wear a mask to the liquor store? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. All right, right out yeah. the gate, we're we're gonna get get those emails. I love it. Let's it. go. Look, man, I was excited. You you said let's drink alcohol and talk about theology, and and I had new friends, and so we you're, we're half and half. Blake's basically a Presbyterian. We just got to find him the right <laughs> church, and and uh, you know Justin's working on it. If they if they decide to. <laughs> Leave the Wesleyan Church. I'm just going to make a road trip, and we'll talk about God it. God is so. not sanctifying everybody at the same rate, and so, um, so that's uh, somebody. I heard uh, R.C. Sproul Jr. one time. Somebody came up to him and said, "Hey, I really like your books. I wanted you to know I'm a Reformed Baptist." And he said, uh, "Oh, that's my second favorite kind of Baptist." And they said, "Oh, what's your first favorite?" And he said, "Former Baptist." <laughs> so, oh man! Hi, my name is Gage, it. and I'm a former yeah, Baptist. Hi, <laughs> awesome! Yeah, we're real glad to have you guys. I'm Blake from Distilling Theology. Yes, and I'm Justin, also from Distilling Theology. And we're glad to be here, Indeed. hanging out with you guys tonight. So, you guys at the beginning of your episodes talk about normally what you're drinking, right? Indeed, um, we do. So, what are we what are we drinking tonight? Well, <laughs> Blake and I are drinking so, Kirk and Sweeney 12-year rum, uh, which I'm pretty same. excited about. I've uh, really enjoyed um, diving off the whiskey and into the rum, uh, a little bit of a yeah. different um, liquor, which which has been really great. Apparently, it's an aged rum. There's no specific uh, type, I guess, or, or um, size barrel required or anything like that uh, or any set. But yeah, um, apparently, it's 12 yeah. years. Um, 12 years in American oak yeah. casks and it has a 95, uh, 95 score on wine enthusiasts. It was named one of the top 50 spirits of 2013 and was called one of the best new rums of 2013 by liquor.com. Um, what I really like about this rum is that the bottle was under $30 here in upstate New York. And, yeah, uh, that's pretty great for, for a mixer, but also just as something to sip, um, so what about you guys? What are y'all sipping I, tonight? Uh, so I have the Kraken. I don't know if you can see it. Black spiced rum. Uh, it's a fun favorite. Mix it with with Coke. Uh, and I uh, would be remiss if I didn't get to give Scott a hard time about the fact that he only likes clear liquors. So he's like rich women on diets, as Ron Swanson says. <laughs> so yeah. 
What, what do you, I'm just teasing Scott. What do you got? What do you got? Yeah, but yeah, his bookshelf, I, I, though. That's you know true, I, man. I, his bookshelf <laughs> looks better than mine. I have to like turn my laptop. Look, because uh, one of my church members, David Filio, gave me a hard time. Look, I actually do read on occasion. Um, you know, they are going to, they don't let you be Presbyterian if you can't read. And so that's, I do have bookshelves, ladies and gentlemen. So when, when this comes and hits YouTube, uh, David Filio can stop giving me a hard time. Yeah, I'm drinking a Scott. What are you drinking? I'm drinking though? a vodka from Rocktown Distillery, a Little Rock based uh, distillery, for, which is, can be found at RocktownDistillery.com. It's a uh, um, it's a wonderful uh, vodka. I'm having a. It's a nice. It's uh, unlike uh, my brothers up north. It's a hundred degrees and a hundred percent humidity down here right now, and so. Uh, this is a very, very cooling having a, uh, first of all, I'm in the South, so I'm drinking it out of a legit Mason jar. If you have Mason jars, yeah, if you have awesome. Mason jars and you don't drink out of them, then you're using them incorrectly. Yeah. Um, and it's true. It's absolutely it's true. true. Uh, I'm, absolutely I'm so, true. I'm drinking it out of a glass that says hashtag dad life. Cause I have a five month old. So, yeah. so uh, oh, yeah. vodka club soda, tiny splash of grapefruit juice is my, what I'm doing. Yeah. Cause I'm a, Perfect. Nothing wrong with that. For rich women on diets. <laughs> nah, it's so. When I was a bartender at a speakeasy bar in Albany, um, I used to, you know, I'd give people a hard time. But at the at the end of the day, what I always tell people is, you know, if you if you enjoy it, then good on you. Same thing with the coffee. Like if it's if it's how you enjoy, you know, your your alcohol with your friends, then great. Like, I'll just give you a hard time about it for a few minutes, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's good. And the same thing to my, my friends who are teetotalers and aren't the, not the conscience binding, you know, pietists as, as you guys were talking about a few weeks ago, uh, with pietism, which was just awesome. Um, such a, uh, a plague, unfortunately, I think in our, in our, uh, church culture of that, this idea that we, uh, we have to do all these things, um, to, to constantly be re resaving ourselves like a video game. Uh-huh. You mean like a, like a teenager at uh, youth camp? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, <laughs> that's awesome. I will definitely bind the conscience though of my friend who only drinks, uh, uh, you know, uh, alcoholic beverages that come in long tubular shaped glasses and have names like pink drink. Yeah. Um, Fair yeah, enough. I, I will definitely Fair mind enough. his conscience. Blake, if you were a bartender, you'd probably have you. you uh, here's a drink you may not have heard of. It's a, uh, it's vodka, orange juice, and uh, milk of magnesia. That's a Phillips screwdriver. Um, um, yeah. No, no, back in the day, it's the worst dad joke ever. It's the worst. Goodness gracious! Lots of dad jokes over here at DT. So I know you are. I know you are. Dad life. Scott's got plenty of them. Scott, how many kiddos you uh, got? Five at last count. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Amen. Even I'll say yeah. that post mill. Yeah. I have one that I can hardly keep track. We are literally making the side uh, I, I tell you the the mm. thing with um, what we're doing this season on Assurance of Pardon is we're going to begin the each week we're going to begin tackling a a trite cheesy. Or just write a lame uh, slogan describing the Christian faith that is uh, yes. unhelpful, inaccurate, misleading, mm-hmm. heretical, but adorable. Um, I lo- like like uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. Yes, yes. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
or you know, we we could just you know the marketing guy I me mean, needs to alliterate a little bit, so we'll call this hashtag problematic phrases. Um, you know, so guys, what are some problematic phrases you can think of off, off the top of your head? Christ besides? helps those who helps themselves. Oh, Ben Franklin, yes, sir. Let's uh, let's taste some spirits here before if we're going to be diving into bad evangelicalism. Cheers. Oh yeah, man, this is so smooth. Oh, it's very um, toasted. It's, it's got like a toasted yep. uh, butterscotch, a toasted marshmallow, coffee, yeah, some some plum maybe. I'm gonna have to request it's, it, man. It's light. Uh, we were, you yeah. know, went to so in Conway is a um, we'll call it a moist county because all the restaurants serve, serve alcohol, but there's no alcohol actually in the city. Um, Oof, you see, have to drive like 20 minutes uh, to the liquor store. Um, so I couldn't find it <laughs> after the 20 minute drive. Um, so I, but those guys are really good there. Um, at yeah. Lake Liquor, to, I, I could probably say, Hey, I need a Kirk and Sweeney 12 year. And they'll be like, I yeah. don't know what that is. Write that down. I, I will say, if you're going to get a rum for around 30 bucks, get the Diplomatica Exclusiva. That stuff yeah, that's is like quintessential really... pirate rum. I mean, it is so that's good. True. That's true. This stuff, I think, is, is so that is though. like more desserty. This is a this is a much lighter palate, yeah. lighter body on the tongue. Um, but that that makes me think of uh, some some phrases. We talked about this a little bit on uh, a couple weeks ago, just briefly. But um, and this one this one's funny because I feel like this is cultural appropriation on the part of evangelicals. But they take Francis of Assisi's Oof. statement: um, preach always preach the gospel if necessary, <clears throat> when necessary, use words or use words if necessary. You know, some variation. But it's funny that evangelicalism is so latched onto that very Catholic phrase. And what I said with Justin, when we were talking about it, um, like, I think, and I can't speak to Francis of Assisi. I haven't read him very much. So maybe he does mean it as tritely as it sounds, but I, I think there's probably something deeper in that of, you know, if your life doesn't look anything like it's been hit by the gospel, then you're not doing that. But then there's the, the Piper clip of nobody's going to get saved watching you, take a bowl of soup to an old woman <laughs> like but it's true the gospel is is a message good news yeah. if i'm get, like <laughs> it's true uh that's one well, that, that's one I, that and gets me especially because people and, always and use man, it that's that the that's actually the the one i wanted us to unpack and talk about tonight is is that phrase by francis mm. of assisi which uh you know floated around in somewhat obscurity until it got memeified on instagram and facebook and got shared over and over and over preach the gospel mm-hmm. at all times uh if necessary use words um i want to unpack why it's so unhelpful um and you made the reference to to nobody's going to get saved by watching you uh, bring soup to somebody. Um, imagine that phrase. Imagine a phrase: "Feed the hungry at all times, if necessary, use food." <laughs> oh, right. So when you mic drop, oh, air raid siren. Ch- when you change it around and you just swap out a few of the things, it just becomes absurd. That that yeah, that's the, true because yeah. the gospel is is an announcement. So there are. Um, um, yeah. First of all, Blake, you you brought up. What do you think people are trying to hopefully communicate with that phrase? Sure. Give them the best the benefit of the I, doubt. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is just from my own experience. I went to Regent University in Virginia Beach, which is uh, like trans denominational, but it's very very much charismatic Baptist Baptistic. Um, but not like reform, don't appropriate not like cool reform Baptist. <laughs> uh, 
it was, you know, it was a very, um, and I, I'm grateful for the experience. I met a lot of great people there. I was challenged to learn a lot of things, but it also, there was a lot of that kind of talk among the, the ministry team there. And, uh, it's not a knock on anybody there. It's just, you know, you have a bunch of college students, of course, and a charismatic environment. People are going to say that stuff. And, and there was a lot of good, which this is a positive side of it. There was a lot of people doing who were taking Christ's words seriously about loving the least of these. They were doing prison visits. They were doing um, homeless ministry. They were serving in soup kitchens. They were doing fundraisers to raise, to get, uh, you know, and, and donations to get things to give to kids who had need in the winter. Like they were doing things that we are told to do um, to love the least of these. But so, so that's on the positive side. On the negative side, I think, unfortunately, what is meant is, uh, which we this kind of comes down to most of these issues, right? Is it's a a downplaying of the actual message of the gospel and the sufficiency of Christ, and that somehow you have to you have to entertain. It, it's almost like the entertainment thing, right? It's almost like the you know we need the smoke machines and the and the lasers to to bring people in. It's like we have to give them this visceral immediate like they have to see this example and then they'll believe but the scripture tells us they can see a man raised from the dead and, and they still right believe. exactly yeah. and i think too you know kind of going back to our episode with john moffat right like it almost even has that pietistic flavor underneath and maybe even at its roots that um your life should be um constantly doing these works to such an example that if you're if you're in your bible enough and if you're praying enough and if you're loving the poor enough and if you're whatever your thing is enough um then people will just naturally know and they'll be curious as to to what's happening um I and think we see and that yeah like churches like bethel right um sure. you know they they you know they will assert churches. this idea that if you're if you're on the path <laughs> uh that your life's going to be filled with miraculous things left and right and up and down. Mm-hmm. And I think on the contrary, what I've seen a lot is uh, in addition to that, that, that often leads to the idea that, well, if you're suffering from this sort of sickness, it's because these sins are in your life. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, if you have, you know, cancer, it's because this is your sin in your life and so on, and you, you didn't have enough faith and so on. So I think a lot of times it'll, it'll, um, come with additional baggage. It was maybe even yeah, unintended as well. Um, because you know, bad theology hurts people, and we don't realize the extent to which bad theology can impact uh, all of our uh, orthopraxy. Right? Yeah, I think the the, the truth is that yeah. that what there is a confusion of in this statement, and uh, and in just pop theology in general, is a confusion between the gospel and implications of the gospel or the gospel and, mm. and how shall we then live to quote Schaefer and, and Schaefer. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and that's, what's going on here. Uh, there's other, there are other, because, because of course the, the gospel is an announcement. It's a, it's a good news. And so you'll hear phrases like be the gospel, right? We need to be the gospel, which is like saying you need to be the six o'clock news, right? You, you I, I can't, I, I can't be the six o'clock news. Um, or a phrase like, right. uh, Gage, you're the only Bible some people will ever read. Whoa. That's, that's horrible. Nope. That's horrible. But these, are, these are all the same. Those are, these are kind of sister phrases that kind of latch on and tangentially yeah. are saying the same thing uh, that, that because they're confusing mm-hmm. 
the gospel with the implication of the gospel. So you're right. I think it is. I think there is a a desire to 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 live in an attractive way. Obviously, um, sure. but again, right? Nobody's going to be saved by watching how kind I am. They need to, they need the offensive right. message of the gospel, and the gospel is never going to be offensive it, it, when it's explained in that way. So the gospel is a, is the the message yeah. of the life, death, burial, resurrection, mm. and ascension into heaven of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's what it is. Uh, and and right. repent and be baptized, uh, you and your household. Uh, um, Amen. Yeah, sorry, I had to throw that in there. Justin. Uh, um, and so that there, there, there are also two things that we could say are implications of the gospel. Um, and and, and sure. it's fine to talk about those things, but but yeah, the, I, I can't I can't preach the gospel without sharing that. I mean, the the book of Acts doesn't work that way, right? The, the disciples, the right? Disciples well, and, and, and even in yeah, even in that it. It flies in the face of Romans 10, right? If faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God, then you have to open up your mouth and speak, right? Yes. Like that's, that's the way that works. Like if, if this is, if this is the way faith is, is given as a gift by God through, um, the, uh, fallible and, and broken men, if, if he's taking crooked stri- uh, sticks to make straight lines to quote propaganda, right? Um, then, you've got to actually say something. You've got to actually give the gospel. You don't want to assume the gospel, right? You don't want to say, well, they kind of understood what I meant. You don't want to talk around the gospel. You want to like tangibly give them the gospel every single week. Unless because you're that, That's what's saying. You just stretch out some legs and people are saved, right? That's it, man. <laughs> Look, I'm... Put the Bible on your head. I'm terrible at PT, so I don't know that that, that I need, need to be stretching any, any legs at all, right? Uh, you know, but that, that's the thing. And even even to the, the, the sister phrase, if we can call it that, of you may be the only Bible people read. Well, that's a problem. That means they're not reading their Bible. That's the first issue with that phrase, right? The second thing is, um, and it goes to this point, um, I can't be the gospel for someone any more than I can save any, someone, any more than I can, this is another phrase we could get into, and that's what we can kind of chase a whole rabbit and a whole episode on this. I can't be Jesus to anyone, right? That's also problematic, right? You, you, need, to, you need to be Jesus to them. I can't. If I could, he wouldn't have come. That's the that's the whole thing. And I will kill myself and feel um, like an absolute failure under the crushing weight of trying to be. Um, you know, even to the point that any time I fail or any time um, I sin or any any time that that I just don't have it together and I need grace and I need the gospel given to me every week. Um, when I fail, then I'm gonna think, well, I I can no longer be Jesus. I'm out. Like I tried to be Jesus and I failed, so I guess this whole thing falls apart. Yeah, you know that kind of also reminds me of the phrase, uh, "God will never give you more than you can handle." Yeah, yeah. Now, now, listen, guys, we're gonna <laughs> you, you're gonna we, we can't give away our whole season. We can't hit too many of these <laughs> in one episode. Let's just so rattle them off. Have, no, we're we'll, gonna have to just uh, beat this it. dead horse. Uh, for half an hour, <laughs> right. we, we have a whole well, no, stack of dead horses back here. We're going to beat uh, in the, in the behind two. Scott's books. Yeah. It's just that there's a door, it's a, and it's just dead horses. <laughs> well, well, back to the um, that you're the only Bible someone might ever read. Uh, another problem that just kind of 
is sticking in the like it's like a little little, little uh, thorn in the back there is um the bible is the authoritative record of god's special revelation it is his word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and that ain't you <laughs> so right yeah. right so so what what is i think unintentionally being said is outright heresy. I don't think that it's intended that way. I know it's not intended that way, but what is unfortunately actually communicated under the surface of that is if you're the only Bible someone ever reads, you are the message, as you're saying, you are the word. Now you're the incarnation. Yeah. This, yeah. And that's really, really danger. Robinson. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and again, I don't think most people would consciously ever intend that by the phrase, but the implications, if you continue to draw that down and it's not that far, you're the, you're the word, you're the Bible, you're the text. Like that's, that's scary. Um, but again, I think what you're saying, Scott is, is spot on. It's the difference between the, the, the content and the substance of the gospel itself. And what naturally follows as a result of the of the gospel, the effects of the gospel, right? The the what happens after the fact. It's I mean, it's kind of comes into the whole Pietism gospel dichotomy, right? It's it you you have flipped the script um, with faith That's and works. Exactly right. yeah. <laughs> Basically, I mean, it seems like that a lot of it seems to come into that Romish understanding of of the relationship. Of I, works I would probably argue the, the root of some of that phrase would have probably come from the idea. Of like Paul saying, "Imitate me as I imitate Christ." Right? Um, sure. We are to be imitators of Christ, and, and therefore we should be acting yeah. as Christians, right? Christ-like. But that's not to say act as Christ, like you are Christ. <laughs> that, that there's a pretty big mm-hmm. distinction there, and and mm-hmm. that's why semantics are so important, right? And Did you just say <laughs> distinction? We distinguish. <laughs> uh, semantics are important for that reason. Words mean something. Well, I want to. I want to also push back. One of the reasons I think that this phrase "preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words." I think this phrase is very attractive to unchurched millennial types who have a bad mm. taste in their mouth about church. Maybe they've maybe they've mm-hmm. heard preachers that they didn't that did they didn't enjoy hearing or they were offensive, um, and so they they love the idea. That you can have a a a serious and devout sounding phrase that flies in the face of maybe some some um, some revivalistic upbringing they may have heard because the the default mode of the human heart and the default mode of of uh, especially of the evangelical world unfortunately is that the gospel is is moralism if if we go and knock on the mm-hmm. door of somebody. And they open the door and we say, hi, we're from so-and-so church. We're here to tell, tell you about the gospel. What that person probably thinks we're going to talk to them about is how to be a better person than they currently are. Listen, we're really good people. We know you're not because you're home on a Sunday morning watching TV and you're not at church. So we're here to tell you. And, and so if you believe that the gospel is moralism – is is straighten up and fly right get your stuff together and 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 hold it together if you believe that then the way you will inevitably respond to that is you will push back because you'll either believe i'm already moral and shame on you for trying to suggest i'm not 
Um, two, I know some Christians and they don't have it all together and they pretend like they do. They'll, they'll have some, they'll have some, some taste of hypocrisy. Uh, and mm. I, I don't need to, I don't need to go to church in order to be a good person. And so they've seen, they have seen, uh, unfortunately people who claimed the name of Christ and did horrible things. And if, because they, and which is, which is, which is horrible. Uh, and so there, the idea of they, they maybe know somebody who claimed to be a Christian and acted badly. And so they say that person preached the gospel at all times, but it didn't match up with their words. So it, it's, it's, a, it's just a really, really bad confusion of what the gospel is, what the, how it's not, it's not moralism. We're not saved by our, by our good works because people, everybody believes they're a pretty good person. So like, um, I would also say, I think, too, some of it's an in-house issue that we got to deal with as well, right? That in evangelicalism, um, in, in a lot of ways, especially uh, where we live in the South, um, where evangelicalism is so uh, dominant and there's a church on every corner, um, there's a lot of things that evangelicalism in, in the last um, 50 years even has hitched their, their wagon to that is extremely problematic and so you've got um, outsiders kind of looking in, going, "Hey, this man, this feels inconsistent. This this feels like this doesn't make sense. Uh, this feels um, hip- hypocrisy, right? This feels super hypocritical. This feels like I don't understand how you're telling me this on Sunday, but this is the ideology that you're identifying in, right? With justification by radio station or justification by beverage or justification by voting booth or whatever, right? Um, that, that kind of in-house issue, that, that's our team. We've got to own, own our stuff here in, in that respect. That kind of also fuels the fire of, well, hey, let's let's find this this guy, this Catholic guy outside of evangelicalism that we can then bring this really, uh, you know, general phrase in that makes us feel better, and then put it in a meme so we can be passive aggressive about it on <laughs> social media, and boom, there you go, boomers get get some evangelicals, I right? Think, like that. That's that's kind of has that hint to it as well, right? Uh, yeah, and I think it probably also appeals to a generation where. Everything is so obsessed with tolerance, right? It's this idea that you can be tolerant to your friends that don't agree with you and, and you know, with your gay friends and your Wiccan friends and your Mormon friends. And you don't really have to talk about the gospel because you're you're being the gospel, right? You're acting. And so they're going to be saved by hanging out with you and you can just Osmosis. not talk about any of these hard issues. So it, it, it allows you to... to Feel good and put your head on your pillow at night and sleep comfortably, thinking, "Oh well, I'm saved, you know, and I'm preaching the gospel because I'm living like it." And then, and then not actually engaging with any hard issues or any difficult discussions, or actual actually engaging the word. Um, and and I think that would also tend to lean towards laziness and reading the word because why bother reading if you don't have to talk yeah. about it? You just got to live it. So, um, I think just more slew of issues. Um, in an age of tolerance and, and you know acceptance of everything, uh, yeah. And the the, pro- the problem with that's the scriptures, yeah. right? Like yeah. if you ju- if you just take the Gospel of John and you just take Jesus's interactions in the Gospel of John, that's not the way he approaches Nicodemus, <laughs> right. the 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 scholar, <laughs> yeah. the religious leader who's supposed to have his stuff together when he comes in the in the middle of the night so that no one knows he's coming and having this conversation, and he has the conversation with Jesus, and Jesus's first conversation with him is. Hey, how do you not know what I'm saying? 
Like why? How is it? Why is this new to you? Like this shouldn't this shouldn't be the first time you've heard this, or it, or that the first time we've had this conversation. That that seems problematic, yeah. right? Now the next chapter, when he meets um, the Samaritan woman at the well, um, he, Jesus goes all in, right? Like, hey, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five of them, and the, and the old man you're hanging out with right now isn't isn't even your husband. And the reason you're hanging out here in the middle of the day is because you've obviously gained a reputation for yourself the way you can't be be with the, the rest of the folks at the well. And then he, you know, she goes, well, let's have a, convers- a theological debate about mountains. And he's like, there's going to come a time where it doesn't even matter. This mountain, that mountain, whatever. Like, the Father is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And he just goes right at it, right? But if, if the M.O. is preach the gospel and when necessary use words and then chapter three and chapter four of john are just blank pages because there's no conversation (laughs) the the only person who had the power to be the gospel uh um did way more than be the gospel he he he's preached he called people to repentance he called people he he he, uh you know he he, so so it's 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 absolutely it's you know let's let's consider brothers what romans uh, 10 says how then will they call on him whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard that talks about speaking and how are they to hear without someone preaching that's about talking and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news uh, but they have not all all obeyed the gospel. So, so the gospel clearly is a spoken claim, a spoken truth about the, the an announcement of the work of Christ on their behalf. That we have to call people to obey. Um, that that Romans ten passage flies absolutely in the face of this idea that you can somehow preach the gospel without words. I'm still stuck on this idea that. I am the six o'clock news. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, half the reason, yeah, half the reason I'm friends with Scott Davis is for his analogies. Let's just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Michael. Michael Horton has a has a beautiful analogy about how we are guilty of taking good news and turning it into good advice. And he says, "Imagine that you are mm-hmm. a king. Maybe imagine you live in a in a village, and your army has had to go out and fight the bad guys. They've sent soldiers out to fight the foes." on the field of battle and you're waiting to hear what happened. And if the, if the battle has been lost, then your, your guys are going to send back messengers who are going to give advice. They're going to say, batten down the hatches, bury your gold, hide your women and children. Here's a bunch of stuff you're going to do because you're probably going to perish. They're going to give advice. Um, If however, the victory was real and it happened and the foe was defeated, they're not going to send back good advice. They're going to send back good news. They're going to say, uh, 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 slay the fattened calf. Uh, and they're going to, they're going to bring this beautiful announcement uh, of, of heralds, uh, calling you to celebrate and enjoy what has been accomplished on your behalf. It's, it, it's, it's, and so we're, we're guilty of turning, uh, the good news into good advice. Um, because we misunderstand what the gospel is and we misunderstand implications of the gospel. We call people to, to, we, we attract people to the church with sermons about how to manage your money and how to, how to, how to, uh, um, 
have a better marriage, how to have better behave kids, how to get your dog to quit jumping on the sofa, how to get a stains out of uh, hard to reach uh, out of, out of fabrics. And, uh, uh, rather than, uh, uh, calling people to repentance and faith. Sorry. I'm got on the soapbox there. No, this is great. Stand on and no, that's awesome. Sir. It's great. Amen. Wow. Yeah. So it, I think those- it reminds me of, uh, you know, Anthony Hukuma in the Bible in the future. Um, he, talks about how at the end of World War II, there were sections of Poland um, that didn't know that um, that the Nazis had been defeated and that Hitler had killed himself and that the war was over and the Allies were advancing. And so um, kind of in a similar, you know, last month we celebrated Juneteenth, kind of in that same fashion, people, the Allies had to go and announce, hey, the war is over. The enemy has been defeated. Mm. You're set free. Uh, we've already released all the the captives from the concentration camp. The 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 axes the they they're done. You can you can go now, right? Imagine if they had walked if they had taken the advice, um, you know, preach freedom and when necessary use words. They yeah. that, that wouldn't have worked, right? Like there would have been there would have been no conversation, and they would have continued to be oppressed. Um, the gospel is the announcement of the victory of the king. When he raises from the dead, the first thing he says is, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me, right? That's the announcement. I own all this. I won. I'm getting ready to present myself to the ancient of days. And then I'm going to sit down because it's done, right? And so we have to preach the gospel because we have to announce the victory that the king has won. There's a, there's a Gage, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned the Great Commission and Christ's uh, having all authority. There's a uh, a quote from Douglas Wilson, who I, I don't agree with on everything. You have to always say that when you when you invoke Doug Wilson's name. Um, uh, I uh, there's a quote from Doug Wilson from his his little post millennialism book, which is quite good, where he says, uh, "Now this understanding, this is the fact that Jesus already has all authority. This understanding radically affects what we are doing when we seek to fulfill the Great Commission. Are we trying to do something, or are we telling the world about what has already been done? Are we fighting the principal battle itself?" Or are we announcing the victory afterwards? This is not a campaign where we are trying to get Jesus elected to anything. He is already seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he is already the king of Idaho, Virginia, Maryland, and Massachusetts. We have the task of announcing to the remaining rebels in the hinterlands that their capital city has fallen, their ruler dethroned, and that resistance is futile. This is what it means to therefore go. Jesus has all authority. We're not trying to get any more for him on the basis of this established authority. We are to preach to the nations and announce to them their responsibility to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. Beautiful quote. <clears throat> yes. What book then, is that? Is that uh, is it, I think it's Heaven Misplaced. Is that the name of it? It's the, yeah. yeah. One. That's yes. his, that's his uh, treatise on uh, post-millennialism. Next on my look, on my, on my list here, I'm, I'm reading through, um, the uh, post-millennial Gentry's post-millennial book right oh, now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is also really good. There you go, there you go, man. I think that's a that's a good place for us to stop, Scott. Um, we'll be sure and include all these good resources. I think we incl- uh, quoted Schaefer and uh, Wilson, Hukuma, and, and others uh, in the show notes, so you guys can uh, have a good excuse to buy more books. 
Um, and we'll continue to kick these dead horses and deal with these problematic phrases all throughout the season. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, feedback from you guys on um, what phrases you want us to handle next or what are some you, you heard growing up. Maybe it was let go and let God. Maybe it was um, God uh, will never give you more than you can handle. Christianity, or, or Christianity any other is a fun, relationship, fun not a religion. Right. John Kelvin's um, Institutes of the Christian Relationship. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, so we're going to handle all these phrases and more because we want you guys uh, to be educated and, and to understand the gospel and be able to not be tossed to and fro um, by, by every cheesy phrase that you hear from evangelicalism. Um, so uh, be sure and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and visit our website, Assurance of Pardon, uh, and follow us on uh, and basically anywhere you listen to your podcast. We try to make sure that, that we are on all the major platforms and Thank you guys, Distilling Theology. Yeah, go Thank check you so out, much for Also, being go check out Distilling Theology. It's distillingtheology.com. Is that right, gentlemen? That's right. That's that right. That is it. We also have... Uh, Actually, it's distillingtheology.com. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Got to throw it on yeah. caps lock there. We're also on all the social it. media and, and all that stuff. We have yeah. Patreon. That's it, man. Hey. Absolutely. And uh, if you haven't already, uh, be sure and like them on social media. Follow the the Facebook group. It's a lot of fun. Um, and if you, uh, during the quarantine and during all the Zoom meetings, uh, need a good excuse for a Zoom meeting, um, there's a reading group, right, guys? You want to talk about that for just a second? Yeah, we have a, we're reading through The Wonderful Works of God by Herman Bobbink. Uh, it is unbelievably wonderful. Um <laughs> Pun intended. And uh, we highly recommend uh, you pick up a copy and read it for yourself. And if you want to join in the discussion, uh, join uh, join the Distilling Theology Reading Group. group. Uh, uh, if you go on Facebook, you can just search for that. Uh, and every week we do, um, on the weekends, we'll do a discussion, a Zoom meeting, and talk about um, the chapter that we read for the week. We'll go through uh, some of the questions uh, that were asked and so on, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been great. I've, uh, you know, working through the Institutes, working through Joel Beakey's Reform Systematic Theology, um, and a couple other things in varying stages, uh, I, I'm i amazed and awestruck by the immediacy and tangibility of wonderful works of God, how he systematically preaches through the doctrines of Scripture, but he does so in a way, It I, I heard it described, it's like he's the master craftsman who's who's presented his work and hidden his tools. Um, so unlike the full four-volume dogmatics, he doesn't uh, go into every nitty-gritty detail and answer every question. He's most concerned with edifying the, the believers in the church um, by presenting doctrine in clear, everyday language. And uh, it says, I mean, to, to quote your dad's phrase, Justin, it's like the, the pages are still wet with the ink. Um, it feels so uh, close to our our age and the issues that we Indeed. face today. Uh, so it's been a real blessing. Yeah, Scott mentioned Schaefer, and everything I've read of his seems like it's talking about now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Incredibly uh, prophetic wisdom that man had. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and speaking of Bob Inc., uh, we got some exciting news as we wrap up this episode. Uh, we're going to do another, another giveaway. Um, hey. So as we record this episode, I think tomorrow we're announcing the the chat. We're eventually launching the Chad Bird uh, set giveaway that we talked about in our two part series with Chad. Uh, and then for you guys, we're going to do a giveaway. Um, you just came out with these uh, new sweet coffee mugs. Uh, if you haven't gotten one yet, I think it's uh, shop 
Distilling Theology. Um, yes. That section of the website, you can get one. They're like $14. Um, they have great quotes from Bob Inc. on those, and so we, we thought we would partner with you guys on a giveaway. We're going to also um, give away a coffee mug and uh, Bob Inc. on the Christian Life uh, that you can also snag at Crossway. Uh, so we'll be looking for that giveaway um, probably um, in the next week or so, um, we'll be giving that, that away and you can get a sweet coffee mug and a good book so you can uh, fill it up with coffee or your choice, rum, whichever you want to do there and, uh, read some bombing. Uh, until next time, guys, this is Assurance of Pardons. <laughs>